1: Hello and welcome to the
2: potentially the latest episode we've ever recorded. Yeah, we sat down at 1245 and I said it was 145. But now look at the time. Maybe I was just speaking it into existence.
1: Yeah, we normally record the podcast. We start, we we start, we meet up at like Mm -hmm. 11 Mm a.m. But I was at a wedding this past weekend and you also were at the beginning of wedding functions this week. So we're doing virtual for the next two or so episodes. But I woke up at 11 a.m. this morning and it was the most terrifying experience of my life because I did originally wake up at 8 a.m. and I sat up and I got on my phone to, you know, finish waking up and start the day. And then I woke up three hours later with my phone in my hand, (laughs) just re-woke up. So. We're starting a little later today, so you... And
2: I was perfectly fine with it because I've been working East Coast hours and West Coast hours this week, so I was perfectly fine with it. Then I was at the beginning of wedding stuff yesterday evening, then I had to come home and review, but am I wrong, this show. And I woke up at nine because I had to do pickups for another podcast and I was like, I really want to go back to sleep, but I needed to prep for this. And then I was like, I know Megan's not gonna be ready by 11, so I'll just and I'll just take my time."
1: And I was right. I'm so glad that's why I did it. I did it for you. Thank you. Um, so if you're watching any of video version of this um, and you see some upper lip sweat, just know that we are in the 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 sweaty fucking taint of the day in Los Angeles. We are in the gooch of the day.
2: But I'm nice and cool over here. Yeah,
1: because Melissa has central AC. I do not. And you know how hot...
2: A brand new central AC. Thanks to my ceiling falling in.
1: Yeah, fuck off with that bragging shit. You know how I know it's hot? I'm wearing a dress and I have to put underwear on because I'm like, my vagina's gonna sweat. Like, I don't know. You just sit
2: with your legs up. Get some airflow between there.
1: I also, now, I'm like... I will wear no, un- I never wear underwear, but like I will especially never wear underwear in like pants or like things that like have leg separation. But ever since Karuchi once told me that she has a paranoid fear about swimming without like bottoms on or like just existing without underwear on of something crawling into her vagina and getting like a parasite and dying. Now I can no longer not think about that. So, like, I need yeah. to either have visuals of where my vagina is and things entering in and out, or I need to have a, a small bit of, like, shorts
2: on or, or, or something where I, I've i got some a thin protection. At home, I'm mostly naked, but I've started wearing underwear because, and this is not Spawn, but they do sponsor the podcast a lot, but I've been wearing the parade underwear, and they just kind of, you know help with when I'm, when I'm wearing tight jeans, they just kind of slide right on up because they've got like that silky, ish, not silk, but silky ish material. Um, I've,
1: you might be shocked that I've actually never experienced that, but I'm sure as a, a, a big bootied person, but that, that does make sense Mm -hmm. mine is usually the struggle of I have very long limbs so I have a hard time getting my limbs in and out of clothing sometimes where I get stuck like the head the the arms and shoulders one that's where I start to panic Mm -hmm. so it reminds me of that episode of uh, friends where Ross has the leather pants Mm-hmm, those. I get so much like secondhand anxiety from them.
2: I haven't seen that episode in years, but it's so ingrained in my head.
1: Yeah, David Schwimmer trying to get, putting like lotion. Like the baby and, powder. Yeah, forming a paste.
2: Disgusting.
1: Anyways, I guess I should introduce the show. Welcome to But Am I Wrong? Starring two people who miraculously, serendipitously, factually have never been wrong. So this is a podcast where we share things that maybe have happened in our life. Recent stories, hot takes. We pitch them to each other. Are we wrong? And then we read your submissions. So you send us an email and we will let you know if you were the hero, or the villain in your situation. And then finally, we wrap it up with, but are they wrong? AKA Rachel of the Week, where we nominate the Woat of the Week, the Simone Biles and the Upside Down, the Simone Biles on opposite day, the worst of all time. If mm-hmm. anyone is not understanding that, that means that Simone Biles is the greatest of all time, the absolute best. I just, I just need to make sure that everybody knows this is Simone Biles is a friend of the podcast <laughs> and we love her. Speaking of people we
2: love, have you seen the press looks of Kiki Palmer this week? I need to find out what is this interview from? Like, the, where are these clips coming from? Which one? The one, the one where she's doing Angela
1: Bassett? Mm-hmm. Uh, with the wired, is it wired? Okay. Wired is an autocomplete, and then there's one where they're talking about I forget what movie it is, but she's having a second one. Like, sorry to this man, I don't know who that is. Where they like reference two characters, and she's like, "Who? Yeah,
2: I don't know who that is." They also brought up all the means that she has, and she left out two of her most iconics. Sorry to this man and <gasps> baby, that's Kiki Palmer. No, she forgot about that one. And then also, there was one, it was the autofill one, where she was like, people always say I look like, and then she joked and said Halle Berry. And then she said, just joking, I look better than Halle Berry. And then Halle Berry saw it and quote tweeted it and said, now Lauren, because you know that's Kiki's real name. I'm obsessed. She is
1: a child of Hollywood. Like, she Mm -hmm. has been here in this game for, like, so fucking long.
2: Like, she's been working her ass off day and night, and... She talked about in one of them how she bounced between Nickelodeon and uh, Disney, and she said, whoever had the check, that's where I'm going to.
1: And no one else could do that. No, only only her. And, like, I just... The looks that she has been turning out have been, like... What the fuck? Like, it's just so
2: good. And I am so devastated because there's no way in fucking hell I can watch that movie. It is so scary. But like, oh. People are saying that it's like more suspense than scary.
1: I'm going to make Moths watch it first. Suspense is what fucks me up the most is like the anticipation. That's like, I hate that. So it depends on if like he can warn me when things are coming and I can close my eyes. But I would rather have something that is just so bloody slasher over and over and over again. Because I'll just close my eyes for those bits. But it's the part that, like, I'm tempted to watch for the suspense stuff. Because I like that. But then I get too scared to, like, watch what happens. And then I'm just like, ugh. So, but I really want to watch it. He's He said that, like, apparently it's fantastic. Everybody's saying it's, like, one of his best yeah. movies he's done. This is also a Kiki Palmer, Palmer friend of the podcast. I would actually die. I would die. I also think we're friends with her. Like in my head. I
2: feel like if we met her, then it would be an easy click. We just got to get in the same room. I think so, too. Which shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't be. But we just don't. If that go
1: was going to be exactly what I said. We just the issue is is she's not in either of our houses and that's where we go we just like that's it and so I guess we have to branch out but if we made an effort
2: then we probably could yeah
1: you know I feel like if we tell people like hey we would we want to meet do you know that's mm-hmm. how I met Candace like back when I'm very early of signing with my management they were asking me what shows I liked and I was like oh I like loved Vampire Diaries like I'm still watching it it's so good they're like, oh who's your favorite character and I was like oh my god I love Caroline Candace is like so good on they like, oh we rep her do you want to meet her and I was like yeah And that's how we met. So you just have to manifest your dreams in the rooms of people who know the other people. (laughs) That's, That's my version of manifestation. So, oh, I forgot to say the absolute best part of this podcast, aside from the fact that like, it's, we're here, <laughs> is the fact that you can vote on who you think was wrong in every situation that we present on the episode. So if we've got, but am I wrong? Me and Melissa. Then we have, but are you wrong? The things that you write in for. And then, but are they wrong? Hot takes, celebrity stuff, news, vote of the week. So if you want to head on over to our Instagram, these episodes come out on Thursdays. And unless I'm at a wedding, <laughs> the voting is up on Fridays. So... Head on over there to vote. You only have 24 hours. We have all the instructions of how to vote. And if you vote wrong, let us know. You can always send us a message and be like, my bee," But then you should probably put yourself in voting jail. So you have to mm-hmm. take a time out in the next week until you're ready to vote again. And you have you've practiced those those nimble little thumbs. And if you vote I
2: actually um- voted wrong this week,
1: I was actually going to bring that up. I I opened it and I saw this bitch, I'm sorry, this (laughs) fake bitch coming on here, speaking lies on the podcast, and then she votes here as if I wouldn't see. I was shocked, bewildered, disappointed.
2: Uh well, it was an accident. It happened. Get over I know. It. I was like, "You fake bitch." What if I really just came on here and just like talked like the whole time about like being just so liberal and being on the left, and then I'm really just Candace Owens? Yeah,
1: she's a liar. Oh, you don't watch Love Island, but she's a liar, an actress.
2: You said that last week. Oh yeah. Well, it's constantly <laughs> relevant. First up, it's me. It's Melissa versus the liberals that decided not to celebrate Independence Day for the first time. 2% said that I was wrong. 98% said that I was not wrong. I would like to read someone. You responded to them. Oh, yeah.
1: You do a great job of like when you respond saying that it's you. I don't. I'm just always like, I always forget to do that. So if anyone, if you get like a very aggressive message and it doesn't say it's from Melissa, it's from me.
2: (laughs) Just know that. Here's someone that wrote in on our Instagram. The only reason I think Melissa is wrong here is it leaves little room for people to grow, evolve, and become better slash aware. I feel like insinuating people who have celebrated Independence Day in the past, who are putting in deep work to evaluate their beliefs and expose themselves to deeply uncomfy news, rampant institutionalized racism, etc., American propaganda and whitewashed our founding was bad, but now we are better slash good is still an unfortunate reality in a lot of public school systems. And I personally feel like we should be talking more of the welcome to the party, glad you're mad now. And here's also some other things that you should be more aware of slash think aside from the recent news. And then Megan, you responded. If this is the first year people are celebrating. It's because now they're affected. That's not learning or growth. That's selfish ignorance. And then the person said, I understand why y'all think that. I really like y'all listen every week and have learned a lot that I would have never thought about been exposed to as privileged, as a privileged white woman. I grew up in Illinois, deeply blue state, and was taught from a young age being raised in a state that was part of the union that you celebrate because of the progress that has been made. And my family always emphasized equality for all, but never saw look for inequality and racial violence still happening. I can see how it comes across as selfish because it wasn't directly impacting us and they didn't do the work to look for the news stories. Of those things still happening, but I also think it's more complicated than just shaming people because they've ever celebrated Fourth of July and having an unwelcome attitude for anyone who hasn't always gotten it or been perfect. We can't bucket everyone by the same way because it can shut out the importance and productive conversations that need to be had to affect change. Much love to y'all, and I look forward to continuing to listen and learn. So here's the thing, I have celebrated 4th <laughs> of July in the past, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect or anyone else is not perfect because they have celebrated. So this is very much giving, I don't see color, I would have voted for Obama for a third time if I could have. Just because you're living in the bubble in a bubble and have willingful ignorance, that is not excuse. All this does is further show that you're fine unless things affect you. This isn't to show shame to anyone. It's to call people in, which is different from calling people out. So calling out assumes the worst. Calling in involves a conversation, compassion, and context, which I provided in my original. I've celebrated 4th of July in the past, and then I sat down and I was like, okay, um, this isn't right. This isn't something that we should be celebrating for me. and uh, But the thing is, I didn't go around and make a like big show and a big deal about it. Because it's something that came from me when you're making shows it's because you want other people to see what you're doing. And that's what I'm talking about. Those people that were making a show about what was being said. Those people that want a- attention to be brought to them. Those people that are saying, look at me because my rights are being taken away. Then I'm not celebrating 4th of July right now. So I can't say why you felt that this was shaming. You have opened up your bubble a bit because you are are listening to the podcast, which is, which is more so for entertainment purposes, because neither of us are experts or professionals. Are you reading books or consuming media from professionals who are different from you? Are you surrounding yourself with a diverse group of people that don't look like you? Are you making a safe space for them to share their thoughts and feelings? Are you comfortable about being uncomfortable? That's what we're talking about when the Black Lives Matter protests happened in May of 2020, did you still think that come July that, you know, we made progress, as you put it, even last year? Did you think the same thing? You know, like, we're moving forward because we're not. So just like, take a moment to reflect. Yeah, like, I agree with
1: all of that. Because I think that There are lots of young people who grow up in conservative households who are starting to get access to social media and like be out on their own. And so like there is a lot of like learning and growing that becomes like drastically there. But the Black Lives Matter movement 2020, if you still celebrated after like my my conversation around how I would approach people celebrating Fourth of July in 2019 and then talking about celebrating it for 2020 would be radically different than people celebrating it now. Because yes, there are lots of people who like didn't grow up with like the knowledge of that. Even I grew up with the knowledge of like, it's fucked up. But like my teenage rebellion, like when I got old enough to like leave the house, was I wore an American flag print bikini and I bought Ziploc bags like those were my teenage rebellion things like against my upbringing. And it was like, okay, this is like I said in the other episode, I was kind of just like, oh, I haven't been missing out on anything. Like I thought this was like a cool, amazing thing. It was like, oh, this is just going. This is nothing like this doesn't have any deep meaning to it. This is just like. So like, why the fuck was I thinking I was missing out on something that like this is a thing that like we're celebrating something that like does not exist for the vast majority mm-hmm. of Americans. And so I thought that it must have been this fucking amazing thing that it was like, well, of course we have to look past this because this is a rip roar and raging amazing time. And I was like, oh, this is bullshit. This is just like pure ignorance. And I was like, yeah, this is not this isn't happening anymore. You can't say that like, oh, I spent I've been like, we need to let people learn and grow. What did you do in 2020? Like, what did you do from then to now? Like, that's That is the time period that we're talking about. That is the jump that we're talking about. Like, you have to go out of your way. I mean, in general, I think like you, depending on where you live, a lot of places you have to go out of your way to be in in inclusive circles and in diverse circles with diverse like race and religion and income and just backgrounds of people. But with social media and where the world is, after 2020, you have to go out of your way to not learn any of this shit.
2: Even then, like, if this is your wake up call, the thing to do is is to say, you know, like as a broad statement, I realize now a lot of the inequalities that are happening, not just this one thing that affects me. And that's the reason. That just screams white woman tears to me. And if you don't know what that means, then look it up.
1: Yeah, it should be like I'm embarrassed that it took to being something taking away my rights for me to realize that like I have been selfishly ignorant in like being okay and tolerating it happening to other people. And like, I am embarrassed that it took it happening to me to make me to light a fire under my ass, to make me care more about it. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's all there, there is to it. And I really, really hate this whole, we need to like give people like Z way. Do you want a cookie kind of thing? I'm like, so do you want to like you, this whole thing of like, we need to give people like constant, Praise for doing the bare minimum or doing nothing at all because it's like, oh, well, then how are they ever going to like learn and grow? It's like, no, no, unless you are comfortable being uncomfortable you're not going to learn and grow. So, like, if Mm -hmm. you need to be coddled through the way of that, that's actually not helping anybody because we're not letting those people learn and grow. That's how you have, like, the very real, like, stereotype of the defensive white woman tears. Like, and especially the liberal white women, like, weaponizing that. It's because they've been coddled through their allyship and their activism and that the ally cookies left and right, like, you're doing amazing and you don't get uncomfortable. And then... Those are people who still vote blue. Those that is very much how I was raised with a lot of liberal people and specifically liberal white women. They can't be uncomfortable or feel like they have done anything wrong. And this is something that I also as a white woman have to like process of unlearning constantly. Like this is just how it's just par for the fucking course. And if you're not comfortable being uncomfortable and recognizing like I fucked up and that was my own internalized racism, my own internal like not my that. I fucked up. That was my own racism. That was my own misogyny. That was like all of anything that I'm if you can't get uncomfortable, you're never going to get better. And that's not actually growing or learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just pisses me off. And it also specifically pisses me off because like this isn't two white girls doing a podcast. So like I just want people to recognize that when you're sending messages. So if you're going to send a message tone policing how we speak about this, you need to direct that to me. You, I, you can't just send like a gen- generic message. No, because
2: I still want to see it. Like, I don't need you to protect
1: No, totally. I just anything. mean like when you write it in there, like I'm just not like, yeah, I, I don't think that even if you say that, I don't necessarily think you're really separating us from that, like separating individually, but it just makes me mad.
2: But specifically, I was the one that brought yeah. this up.
1: No, but I think that's what's be it's being hidden under the fact that there is a white woman on the podcast. So people like it feels like you can hide your internal implicit biases and that shit that it's like, but you can't like you you know, like this is not Mm -hmm. two white girls on a podcast. You can't send messages tone policing at all and like critiquing activism and allyship if you want to do that to me that's completely fine send me a private message but i if it's about something that's happening on a podcast with a conversation the two of us like that's just not okay especially because it's coming from other white women Mm
2: -hmm.
1: who claim to be progressive and liberal so okay (laughs) next up We have me versus period tracker apps. 1% said I was wrong. 99% said I was not wrong. I would like to just quickly address everybody in the mentions. Natural family planning, just pushing that. No, 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 no. If you do natural family planning method as your fertility tracking method of not getting pregnant, that is fine. Keep that to yourself because it does not the statistics of what no you look at any fucking tiktok you look at anyone i personally know three people maybe no i think i posted on instagram saying i knew three people and then i had two friends message me and they go nope you definitely know more like i think i know five or six people who've all gotten pregnant on that and it was working perfectly fine like we it was working quote unquote perfectly so this idea That, like, this should be promoted. I will, we are never going to get on here and promote that. We don't even let people talk about that shit in our Facebook group. Like, that is banned. If you are speaking about family planning as a method of not getting pregnant, no, that's not happening. And I'm just the amount of people who are just telling us that that's what we should be talking about and promoting and sharing with our audience. Like, that's never going to happen. And if you are doing that, I hope that you have made a plan with whoever you are sleeping with and you're. Like you've made a plan personally as well about what you're going to do if and when it does not work, which you should be doing in general when you're having sex, when you're having sex at all. It doesn't have to include whoever you're having sex with in that conversation. But if you if that's what you want to do, like you need to know what am I going to do if this does not work? And when you have a method that is not even anywhere near as effective and is thrown off by if you sleep in if you fly, if you get dehydrated, if you're tired, if you're stressed, like
2: if you're in a different time, like zone. it's
1: every, if you get a cold, mm-hmm. if you get sick, if you like a- anything, like literally absolutely anything, if your body temperature in itself, if you get overheated during the night, like there are all these influences that like you cannot control. So, yeah, like I hope that you are having conversations uh with yourself about what you are going to do if this does not work so that will never be something we ever promote
2: here also people saying that i use this specific app blah 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 like um i've done the research it shows that you know they're not selling my data but the thing is the data is still being stored on your phone also
1: all of the period apps who have been sued it's because they said they don't sell your data they, they and they do like they 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 can do that like i it's the same thing with like these are why massive banks commit like fraud and why these massive companies do that because they would rather take the small hit from the courts and like the like the legal system for what they have to pay out because what they're actually getting paid from selling your data is far greater. Like it's literally like Mm -hmm. a tax for them. It's like, oh, this is just like a 10 percent thing. So I cannot stress enough that like stop trusting these massive corporations that they have your best interest at heart because there's actually no legal precedent that they they can't sell your data. It's not like there's something blocking them from getting like doing that. They can. They're just saying that they won't. And if they do sell your data, it's a matter of oh, are they going to get caught? And then are people going to press charges against them? And then they're going to have to pay a little fee, and that's it. And then they'll do
2: it again. All right. Then next we have writer number one versus mom and sister inviting the writer's boyfriend to their family reunion. Who is wrong? Twenty two percent said the writer is wrong. 78% said mom and sister are wrong. Messy,
1: messy. Would love to know what happens.
2: Please.
1: Then we have writer number two versus friend who's making her fiance lose weight for the wedding. 8% said the writer is wrong. 92% said the friend is wrong. Out of everything of all of the votes this week's episode, this one, I think 99% of the people who voted uh, for the writer being wrong
2: messaged and said that they voted wrong. This was the one that people Including fucked up on. me. Our own Melissa look, something just about the way that it was presented, which I know that I'm the one that sends you what to write here, but still, you know, it's on me. I didn't read. And I know that other people didn't do the same thing because they wrote in to say that as well. So, you know, I'm not going to apologize because I'm never wrong. I will just, you know, say that I will do better in the future. So then we've got Wrong of the week, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who is wrong. 98% said this bitch is wrong. 2% said this bitch is not wrong.
1: Finally, we have my nomination for wrong of the week, Ohio. 99% said Ohio is wrong and 1% said Ohio is not wrong. The amount of Ohio hate in the DMs from Ohioans.
2: A lot of people from Ohio. Very strong. Very, very, very strong. All right, so we're going to take a break here. beverage while I'm working out. I just take one stick of the hydrate, mix it in with my bottle of water. 16 ounces of water can provide the same amount of hydration, equal to drinking two to three bottles of water if you got that hydrate in there. They also have the all-in-one shakes, which I absolutely love. I'm running low, so I got to get some more, but um, I It's only the beginning. We both like a a detective book. This one is uh, 20 years since detective Chelsea Calhoun's sister vanishes ever since Chelsea has been searching for signs for closure for other missing girls, but happy endings are rare in Chelsea's line of work, which that sounds so intriguing. And I'm looking forward to reading this novel so much.
1: Can't wait. And we're so excited to usher in this new sponsor. And we know y'all are already going to love this. Plus we've been recommended this so many times. Mm -hmm. So I, I, we, we've already got fans in you. Try the service yourself at bookofthemonth.com. And you can get your first book for $5 with code pedals. That is your first book, $5 at bookofthemonth.com using code pedals.
2: So to kick off my butt, am I wrong? My pick is uh, school teachers that have to post their classroom lists. I have no fault with the teachers at all. Of course, I support them in every possible way. I'm talking about the fact that they have to actually post their list. Like, I think that's really sick. I mean, not just that they have to post this list, but also that they're severely underpaid And then they're expected not only to be underpaid, but then provide supplies and decorations and other things for their classrooms. So then students feel comfortable, feel loved, and are being adequately educated. I mean, it's just bonkers to me that like before social media started, that most of them were paying most of them were paying directly out of their pocket and uh, you know like i know that budget cuts factor into a lot of this like a lot of schools don't have let's say like if they're buying arts and crafts a lot of schools don't have like art classes anymore and so the teachers still want to provide that and in a lot of places are required to provide that but they don't have the supplies to do that And then there's like the fact that they they're raising not just money, but having donations from people in the community that are already paying taxes. When we have the wealthiest of the wealthiest, the 1% that aren't being taxed adequately or equal to what the everyday working person is being taxed. And if they were, it could easily not it could easily pay for the cost of this and to give these teachers a raise and not to mention all the other things that, that don't directly have to do with this, but those are discussions for another time. I just don't, I really, it just baffles me that this is an expense that teachers have. And then they also have to create these, they have to take time out of A time they're not even getting paid because I know that they're doing this during their off time to create this list. So like even that, that's time of them working, trying to provide an adequate classroom for their students. And I remember like I
1: was buying things off of teachers lists last year and I remember looking at things that like pencils and how pencils were like the cost of them within a week had just like tripled on Amazon Mm -hmm. and erasers or things that it was just like, oh, all these things are now like back ordered for all of this, that it's it's so clear that corporations like I hate that we celebrate people clearing lists and be like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, that's so wonderful. Like, it reminds me of like, I forget what the term of it is, but it's similar when people talk about like, wow, these wholesome like uh, human interest stories of like a community coming together yeah. and paying for a GoFundMe me for someone's cancer treatment and like that's so amazing or a kid who likes who sells all of his toys to like buy mm-hmm. his grandpa his like insulin or something and, like this is just like wow like I have my faith is restored in the world and I'm like are you fucking kidding me like this is dystopian that we are like celebrating this communities having to come together while the rich just keep getting richer and these billionaires keep making more money. And then we repackage things like, you know, the Amazon, like Amazon making these teacher lists as being like, it is a useful thing, but they have monopolized so much that now they are profiting from a problem that they have contributed to. And it's just really depressing and really sad. Mm -hmm. And I also don't know why I didn't put this together until someone posted and that's like my own privilege and my own fucking ignorance until someone posted in the Facebook group and asked like I'm a first-time teacher does anybody have any recommendations of job like summer jobs because it was like oh of course teachers don't have quote-unquote summer off as in like a vacation they then have three months two and a half three months of the year they're not getting paid exactly and like I don't
2: know why that never clicks for me. And then like as soon as they come back, they have to use that money from their summer job to pay for these things. And I think a lot of people think it's a new thing. While also paying for their rent or their mortgage and everything. Their the Teachers have always had to else. buy
1: this shit. Like this is not like a new thing. I think back to like my I grew up in a very affluent area. I grew up in Marin County and I went to public schools there and pretty much everyone goes to public school. You only really go to private school if um, you want to play like football because there's like one school that like is like decently good at football. Or if you are more into like art something or whatever. But to be fair, even like my high school, like we had like a. A science school within that we had like an art school within my high school like so the public schools are incredibly good and they're incredibly good because they're incredibly well funded and i remember like just the fundraisers and that shit that like our
2: classrooms we didn't really want for anything and that's another thing even at school having to having to do those fundraisers like why why am i out here selling wrapping paper and chocolate bars
1: well, and I remember specifically like uh, one of my like favorite teachers like growing up, she came from a really well off family in Marin. So like there was like in order to kind of like sustain being a teacher in a really expensive area like that and be it's a really great school. So it can be very fulfilling for a lot of teachers because you have parents who are really have a lot of money who are willing to help out and then you. But you also have to, like, come from money in order to, like, be a teacher there.
2: I think even, like, in the 30s and 40s, and this is just for me reading literature and stuff and things that I've gathered from that, it seems like that teaching jobs were more so for, like, high society women. Like, they would go as, like, a badge of honor, like, go to school, get their degree to be able to teach. And then they would come home and teach until they got married. Yeah. It might not be a fact, but this is just stuff that I kind of, I've i've deducted in my own brain. And so it feels like that the country is still operating in that way of like, let's continue to underpay teachers because this isn't like, a job that they're going to have forever.
1: Yeah. I mean, anecdotally, a lot of people I know who are teachers, uh, especially in in a really expensive area like Los Angeles, they have, they come from money or they have like a a spouse or a partner who is able to cover a lot of the the expenses and Mm -hmm. things like that. And I also think that that really sucks because then a lot of, a lot of kids don't see themselves and their teachers, especially in like lower income areas and stuff. And, it would be impossible for like people who grew up lower income unless they've made a ton of money to be a teacher in a city that it has a higher cost of living. Like it's just, it feels like at every level teachers are set up to, to fail. And Mm -hmm. while we then praise them of being like, you're molding the youth of America. Wow. You're so amazing. And like, I can't imagine how much of a fuck that must like just a mind fuck that must feel that it's like we're never supported like we're completely drowning we're struggling all the time we're putting our lives at risk every day and we're being told that we have to do x y and z and we can't teach things like we have no support but then people are telling us like we do such amazing things and it's like that feels like an abusive relationship right with like the united
2: states against teachers so Teachers, thank you so much for all your hard work. And I'm sorry that a lot of you are being mistreated. And please tweet
1: me your lists of supplies that you need. And I will be happy to retweet. And I will go through and get some stuff as well. And we're going to do that again. I'll do that again in the Facebook group, which, yeah, it's always, always trying to help however we can. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mine is um, much, much less impactful or intelligence-based. and. Mine is a hot take, and it is from a TikTok that I saw. I did not save the TikTok, so I'm so sorry, but just know that this concept is not my own. And if anyone knows the TikTok, I would be happy, happy to add that uh, to credit them. They set a point that rang true to me, and it's every group has a Leah Michelle. <laughs> and it is, I'm not talking about may- maybe friend groups, maybe every friend group has a Leah Michelle, but Liam Payne, the Leah Michelle of One Direction. Jesse Nelson, the Leah Michelle of Little Mix.
2: See, you've got to get something a little bit more. I don't, I don't understand this. You're like on the skirts of Gen Z. I need you to go more mid millennial so I can get this. Okay.
1: Oh, that 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 guy in Paramore who like started becoming QAnon. The Leah Michelle of Paramore. What
2: about like Spice Girls?
1: Is there any of them who've gone bad? I think this is an American phenomenon plus One Direction. Destiny's Child? Oh, and Little Mix. Okay, I don't think we can even talk about Destiny's Child because somebody was slighted. Someone was cast as the Leah Michelle. Oh, do you not mm-hmm. think that was cast? What's her name? Who wait, got wait. kicked out?
2: I mean, there's been three members kicked out. So you're going to have to be more specific.
1: Who's the one that I'm thinking about?
2: Are Amazing. you talking about Farah, The one that there's like video footage of her being kicked out? No, it's who did the interview. Or you might be talking about Latoya. I think
1: that's I just looked it up. I think that's what I was talking about. I think she's the one who did the Wendy Williams interview. Okay. So I think she was cast as that. I don't know the personal inner workings. So
2: I don't think she was cast. She started in the group when she was little.
1: Oh, no, I meant she was being cast as the Leah, like asked like, socially as the Leah Michelle. Oh,
2: OK, I got gotcha. you.
1: So Chris Pratt. He's the Leah Michelle of the Chris's. James Corden, the okay. Leah Michelle of the late night hosts. Like, mm-hmm. there, it is just every single group, except I would, hmm, you know, here's the thing though. I was going to say the Vlog Squad, I would say that it has more Leah Michelle's than Amber Riley's. Maybe the Vlog yeah, Squad. I think the whole thing is just the Michelle. Leah Michelle. <laughs> the Vlog Squad is the
2: Leah Michelle. Of vlog squads, of vlog- of vlogging crews. Let's take friends. Who's Celia Michelle a friend? I don't mean like actor-wise, character-wise.
1: Oh, oh, oh. Okay, character-wise, Ross. I mean, I think if you were, if we were going to have friends be now, and like any, if anyone was going to have t- bad tweets come out, I think it would be Ross. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I think it would probably have to be Ross. Hmm. That pseudo intellectual pretentious type that it's like, yep. Oh no, and gifted child, same same mm-hmm. vibe. Okay, what are some more groups we can I can think of? Well, I was gonna say Zoe one hundred and one, the Leah Michelle of Zoe one hundred and one is Zoe. <laughs> Jamie Lynn Spears. <laughs> That's we get the starring role. I actually
2: did watch that one.
1: Are you fucking kidding me? Of all the shows you watch, Zoe one hundred and one. Do you know? After watching that, I was like, I'm going to go to Pepperdine University. And then my dad was like, you know, they have like mandatory, like that's a religious school. They have like mandatory mass. And I was like, what is mass? And he was like, you're not going to Pepperdine. It's so expensive. And it's so religious. Like, you're not going to understand that at all. And he mm-hmm. was right.
2: I would have no idea. If we took like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it would be Amy.
1: Oh, Amy. Amy is Rachel, is the Rachel Berry like Amy is like what Rachel Berry, like the, you know how it was like, it's like a, an unevolved Leo, an evolved Leo. And it's like toxic, like, it, like personable, like that is an unevolved mm-hmm. Leah Michelle, Rachel Berry, evolved mm-hmm. Rachel Berry is um Amy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's like mm-hmm. very, very true. I will say as a former Nick girl, Nick is definitely the Leah Michelle of the Jonas Brothers he is he is he abandoned the band he thought he was better than everybody and then like leah michelle nick is the abandoned- thing is
2: with leah michelle is that she's very talented and she can back up what she's like doing Oh, without a doubt. So she's going to be very good in this part. There was, I guess, you watched Glee, but there was some, like, quote, I think, on
1: Glee that the guy, Kurt, says or something of being, like, she's insufferable or, like, that, whatever, like, but she can sing. And, like, Mm -hmm. it is so accurate. If anyone has ever watched Ryan Murphy interviews about, like, Glee, the way he talks about, like, her and, like, the there is no difference
2: between Leah and Rachel. Like, there is, like... They are one person. If you watch the audition for Glee, I mean, we've brought it up before on this podcast, but she messed, or the, I think it's the piano person in her mind messed up her piece. And Leah Michelle like snaps, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, that's Rachel Berry. And it's like, no, that's Leah Michelle.
1: She's not acting. There are some people who you want, like, the reason why they're so good in one role, it's because they are playing themselves. Mm-hmm. And that is that is what has happened with her. And I just think it's so spot on. Oh, Tahani, the Leah Michelle is a good place.
2: I'm sure she would probably have like a story about Leah Michelle. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure there's something in the good place about Leah Michelle.
1: And her saying that, like, Leah, they went to boarding school together and Leah Michelle's like, she's very misunderstood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, something like that. Yeah. So I think that this is, this is like, fuck the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever. Like, every group has a Leah Michelle is exactly, it, it's factual. Like, I I truly think you would be hard pressed to find one. And I think, well, right now, I don't know enough about the Spice Girls, but I feel like if we talk to a massive, like, a a, a UK local Massive Spice Girls fan, they could probably tell us if yeah. there is one. Oh, the Leah Michelle of um Abbott Elementary Principal. You don't think so?
2: I would I would think it's actually Quint's character. Oh yeah. I think I think she needs a little more malice
1: to her, but you're maybe right because it's it's the Leah Michelle is the The sunny disposition, and then it goes to that. It's not the negative disposition who then ends up having a heart of gold. You're right. You're right. Sorry, Quinta and the Leah Michelle. And And we love
2: Quinta. This isn't a dig on her. We love Quinta.
1: Another friend of the show. No, 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 no. We also love the show. Yeah. Oh my God. I just pulled up popular TV shows, and a lot of them are ones I've auditioned for. And I just want to say that the Rachel, the Leah Michelle, all of them are the characters I did not book. Ooh, who would be the Leah Michelle? To be fair, a ha- the vast majority of Game of Thrones, that's a Leah Michelle television show. So, shout out to that TikToker who, co- who came up with this concept because I think it is very, very, very correct. And I would love in the comments of our latest Instagram post, I know I normally do this at the end, but I would love to hear who you like groups of people, television shows, bands, clicks, anything. Uh, Or groups of things just in general. And who is the Liam Michelle of each? I would -hmm. would love to know. So that's mine. (laughs) Call her daddy. The Liam Michelle of (laughs) Podcast.
2: Okay. All right. Let's take another break.
1: Now we got to get into, but are you wrong segment? So where can they send us their submissions,
2: Melissa? Keep your submissions to 300 words or less, or you will be, you know, you'll get an email back saying to uh, resubmit it. And if you do it more than twice, then we will just ignore you. Thank you very much. So let's get into the first write-in. Hi, Megan and Melissa. I'll forgive you for putting two S's in my name. First of all, love the podcast. Me, she, her, 20. Boyfriend, he, him, 19. Relationship, 1.5 years. Together, two years dating. Excuse me for my English. I'm from the Netherlands. From time to time, I have arguments with my boyfriend. Now that's fine. I believe everyone has arguments. The reason why I called email in is because he says sorry too quickly. When we have arguments and I begin to explain the reason that I am upset, he is immediately like, I'm sorry. I believe that's because he did training in his early years about anger management. He understands the reason I am upset. He had problems with that. Now I want him to be able to say, I'm sorry, but I want him to fully understand the reason I am upset so he can better understand me. I don't want him to say I'm sorry unless he's heard my full story. Am I wrong for thinking this or is he wrong about saying I'm too sorry too quickly? Love you both. I think this is a great one. I think this is a good question. Um. To me, I don't think you're wrong. I do think he is wrong probably in, I would probably take it case by case. I think that he's wrong in certain situations because if he's saying sorry without fully taking in what he's sorry about, he's not actually sorry. He's just saying what he needs to say to appease you in that moment. Because he thinks that, you know, like, if I don't say sorry, then I'm going to make her angry. Or if I sit here and think about this, I might get angry. And then I don't know what what kind of ways he showed his anger in the past. But he's trying to quell whatever that was just to skip over, you know, processing what actually happened. Saying sorry means nothing if you don't actually mean it what you're feeling is that he's not really sorry because he's not letting you actually finish or share your feelings or say what you actually want to say or everything that you want to say. So I really don't think you're wrong. I just think that he's trying to end things so that he doesn't get angry or process his emotions, like I said before.
1: Yeah. He doesn't know what he's even saying sorry for at that point. Like, I I, like so understand this. Like, I'm a big communicator. I'm an over communicator. Yeah. Like, I I think it's really important that, like, you're not going to learn to not do something or why something bothered me, because why something you said might have hurt my feelings or bothered me, that doesn't exist in a vacuum. Like, that can then be applied to other things like in other ways that you would say something similar or other motives or other actions or things. So if you don't understand why you're saying sorry like you're going to repeat it again or you're going to misunderstand and then stop doing not what I'm talking about and then continuing to do this other aspect of it. I don't know much about like anger management but like you're probably like I think Melissa probably like you're right with like the trying to deescalate and I think maybe in his mind that like He's just trying to to move past things. He's equating that with, like, de-escalating a situation. But I can't imagine that if he was still in anger management that uh, a counselor or a therapist would encourage this behavior because it's mm-hmm. not actually getting to the root of it. And I do wonder if maybe it was when he was really young that he has now equated any sort of confrontation or conversation like this, like, more serious conversation has been equated with anger, and that it then becomes like conflict resolution leads to anger. And so then we have to avoid that. But like, that's that's not the case at all. So I don't think you're wrong more, but I also don't really think that he's wrong because I think if he's cutting you off and so you're not even finishing what you're saying and he's just like being like, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Or whatever. I, I think it's just like misplaced. Like, because I think I'm sorry is very important. And I think that, I want someone to do both. I want someone to listen to why I'm upset. I want them to understand why I'm upset, learn from it. And I also want an I'm sorry. Like there, it is like a whole package thing. So like, I think he, yeah, so I think you're not wrong. I think he's saying it too quickly. I don't think the issue is him saying it. I think it's, he might mean that he's sorry, but I think it, he might mean that he's sorry and he thinks he's sorry, but he can't actually know
2: what he's apologizing
1: for until you tell him.
2: He's not letting her finish. That's the problem.
1: Yeah, that's an issue. Okay. So you're not wrong. Not wrong, not wrong, not wrong. Okay. My family friend, 24, she, her, and her fiance, 24, he, him, are getting married in October. I think I said my fiance. (laughs) Her family has been, (laughs) excuse me. Her family has been close to mine since I, 20, she, her, was 18 months old, and they're pretty much family to me. End of 2021, she hinted that I would be a bridesmaid. And at Christmas dinner, I mentioned my boyfriend, 20, he him would c- be coming to the wedding. And then she dropped it on me that she, he probably wouldn't be able to come because of money. My boyfriend and I have been together for five years and he gets along really well with them, especially her fiance, as they're both into cars. And when the invitations went out, there were no names to who it was addressed to or how many people. I also feel as though she would have clarified that he was included in the invite when she came to give me the bridal box gift thing. I haven't mentioned my boyfriend coming to the wedding to her either, as I don't want to see Ms. trying to push an invite onto her, but I just feel like it's courteous to invite people's partners, especially your bridal parties. Am I wrong for being upset that my boyfriend was not invited to her wedding? And should I ask her if he is and how do I do that without being an asshole? Just to clarify, the maid of honor is her twin sister, so her boyfriend of two years is invited and another bridesmaid husband is one of her fiance's groomsmen. I don't know about the rest of them. I'm confused about how the invitation was addressed because how it goes is whose name is on the envelope. That's who's invited. And the only time you would have a plus one, if it says just your name on the envelope and then inside it would say at the bottom plus one with a guest or something, it's not going to say that on the outside of the envelope. But if it only said your name on the outside of the envelope, then it's just you.
2: Or maybe the writer's just confused because it could have had just their address on it and not their names. You don't necessarily have to put names on um, mail. I mean,
1: I have so many feelings about weddings uh, in general. I think that a lot of people think weddings are about the bride and groom. And I think a marriage is about... I think a lot of people think that a wedding is about the two people who are getting married. But... I think a marriage is about the people who are getting married. I think a wedding is about everybody else. <laughs> like, it's a party. Like, you're hosting. You're really hosting a party. And it's expensive, yes, for to, to throw a wedding. But it's also expensive for, like, guests to attend and to do all of that stuff. And I think, I personally think, unless everybody knows each other at the wedding, like, I think it is courteous that everybody gets, like, a, a plus one feasibly and like financially like if moths and i ever had a wedding we would if we had a big wedding we would not be able to do that financially but i think in a perfect world i think that is like what would be nice but like yeah shit is fucking expensive but it is a little odd because the the etiquette of weddings is if you are married automatic invite If to like your your significant other, if you have been together for more than five years, automatic invite. And if you live together, automatic invite. Anything that's not that, if you're just dating, it's most it's just usually up to the choice of the people who are getting married, in this case, the the bride and groom, of do we know most people will be like, do we have an individual relationship with both people? Do we know both people well? But they I don't know, harsh reality, they might not like your boyfriend. And that might just be it. So, like, they're not they're not wanting to spend the money to do that. I do think it's incredibly rude, especially when someone is in a bridal party. I will also say, though, when you're in a bridal party, you tend to be a lot more busy. So, like, it would be nice to have a date there. But I think of it's worse to be a guest without a date. But I think it's ruder to be in a bridal party and not allowed to have a date, especially because you've had a long-term boyfriend. So, like... I think it's rude, but I think they might just not like him.
2: Also, depending on how this wedding is set up, depending like maybe your culture or like what kind of wedding it is, the bridesmaids and the groomsmen might all be sitting separately on a dais for the wedding. So like all the bridesmaids are at one table together, all the groomsmen are at one table together, and they don't have dates sitting with them there. And I could see why they might want this other person that they're not particularly close to just sitting out there amongst everyone else. Like where do they put him with family or like with friends? But like he doesn't, maybe he doesn't know anyone else that's going to be there. And so it's still the same thing. I think if you're married, yeah, the other person should be invited as a courtesy, but I don't think it should be required. I don't think like if someone's, engaged or even living or dating I don't think that that's an automatic invitation I just think that on your wedding day you want people there that you want there and even with the money theme they were upfront about that they might not have the money to you know pay for another plate to pay for another body yeah. to pay for another person to be there like they were upfront about you uh, upfront about that with you and that could be an issue. They don't want, like, extra people there. And then if they invite your boyfriend, then they've got to invite Mary Sue's girlfriend and Jennifer's boyfriend and Betty's hookup. Like, it just, like, if it just opens it up to more people.
1: Yeah, I can't stress enough to people, like, I, wedding stuff can get really, like, tumultuous feelings-wise. But as somebody who's been to so many weddings it's so not personal. And like, if we don't get invited to a wedding, like I'm stoked. Like it's not because I don't like the couple. It's just like, it's actually so expensive. It's such a hassle. Like there's just so much, it's like such a fucking big to do. And I feel like so much of wedding culture, I mean, all of wedding culture is a ripoff, but I think so much of it is like perceived pleasantries and kind of rudeness. When in reality, I'm like, you don't have to invite me. Like, please don't feel like you have, like, don't, like, do not care. Like, whatever. And I don't know if you've been to a lot of weddings, but that's exactly what I thought of, is the fact that, like, if you are a bridesmaid, most likely you will be sitting only with the bridesmaids. And I know that you think that you really want him there, but as somebody who's been a date to someone who was, like, in a, it, like, uh, Matzo's best, brother's best man, it is... so not fun for the date because they have all this other shit to do and all of these things and
2: like i mean there's just a whole bunch of things that come with going as a plus one to a wedding when that person is a bridesmaid like they've got to get there early with you or they have to come later in a separate car and then you have to sit there by yourself you get there by yourself while your while your date is like Getting ready and taking part in, you know, the pre-wedding rituals. And you're still going to be sitting just by yourself. And then during the ceremony, again, you're sitting by yourself. And then at the reception, you're still by yourself. And it's like the person that's like the bridesmaid or the groomsman or the person that's part of the wedding party. It's like your plus one is just existing out there without, you know you're not, you can't spend time with them either. And so then, like, you could feel bad because they're just there.
1: Yeah, and I think that you're thinking of this as the partner, but I promise you, like, from your boyfriend's perspective, like, he's, not. that's not gonna be fun. Like, that's not gonna be, like, a good time, but I, so I think that that's just as likely as them maybe not liking him that much. And, like, I was really lucky in the sense that for Mott's brother's wedding, we'd been dating for, like, a year-ish or something, that Mott didn't even ha- originally have a plus one, but like he like told his brother like, "Hey, like you know can," and he was like, "Yeah, for sure, she can come." And I was sitting with him at like the family head kind of table thing, and I remember someone came up to me and was like, "What are you doing sitting here?" And then another like fa- like another like in law like family member was very much like, "Come sit with us, like here you go," and like really like was able to do that because I spent the first half of the reception by myself, like, sitting in a corner at this table with a bunch of people who are all incredibly close to the bride and groom and, like, family. And this is, like, this huge momentous, like, moment for them watching these people get married who I, like, knew a little bit, but, like, really not that much. And, like, it was maybe the first or second time I met Matza's parents. Like, it was just... Weddings are a really emotional time. And it can feel incredibly, incredibly awkward if you are not at that same level that you've kind of just been brought on as a courtesy. And I even joked with like my future sister-in-law, I'm like, dude, good call. On like, how happy are you that like we didn't break up? And she was like, no, it's so funny. Like we have like wedding pictures, uh, that like you, I stepped out for some of the, cause they were like, wanted a picture all together. And then there were some that like, they were like, come in. And I was like, okay. And then I specifically stepped out for some of them because I'm like, I love moms And like, at that time I was, vi- we saw a future, but you know, you don't know. And so she mm-hmm. was saying, she was like, yeah, no, like that was like very nice of you to do that. But like, I'm really glad that we have pictures where you are in them and you have that stuff. And that's like, I had, I'm happy I was at their wedding specifically because like, we are very close now. And like that, those are my like future in-laws, but I would not be upset if I hadn't been at their wedding now. Like in hindsight at all. And that didn't mean that it was like any less like awkward or felt like a little out of place and weird. And I do feel like I was there for Mata's comfort more than for me. And I think that like it was feasible for them to do so. But I don't think it should be people should be pushed to do something that's not financially okay for them, which then the result is also like your partner, like not having feeling kind of awkward.
2: They said for financial reasons, he won't be invited. So.
1: I think the only thing that you can do is just to double clarify and just be like, hey, I just want to clarify that. And only that is only if it says both of your names on the invite, like if it just says your name on the invite, he's not invited. But like if it says nobody's name or it says both names on the invite, I would be like, hey.
2: Yeah, but if it's both names, I really don't think you have to ask, because why would they put both names on the invitation if they weren't inviting?
1: I mean, I would just because she said, I don't know if we are like going to have it to to, like financially like I would just make double check just in case like they show up and there's not enough there's not an extra seat like that's so awkward of being like I just want to double check like his name was on the invite and I know you had said before that you weren't sure so like he is invited right like I just want to know and then otherwise it's only if there's no names on the invite as like I know you brought up before that you weren't sure financially you could have me bring him but I just wanted to like clarify before I start like making plans
2: and if he needs to like get
1: an outfit like a suit to wear or something but that's kind of all there
2: is to it. All right, so now it's time for But Are They Wrong, aka Rachel of the Week. And this is where we nominate someone, maybe in pop culture, in the news, that has been the worst of the week, the wrong of the week. So mine is celebrities who take jets as a regular part of their like day to day travels for what? I don't know. So some people like to call them climate criminals there's now i think it's been around for a minute but this uh but this twitter account called celeb jets where they uh track how many they let you know what celebrity is what their what kind of private plane they have it tells how many miles how much jet fuel is being used the cost of the fuel and the co2 emissions multiple times per week and i'm not talking about like people that take jets long distances or they're like on tour and it's just not feasible for them to drive. I'm talking about people that are doing like multiple trips during the week, very short distances that that would take like 20 more minutes in a car. Kylie Jenner this week and uh, Floyd Mayweather have been two people that have come under fire a lot this week. I agree. Like I think like for people who are it's not a regular
1: thing. It's something mm-hmm. that they have to do to get through a tour or whatever. Like sure. Touring artists are incredibly over overworked hours-wise. That's why they're taking those jets. Like it's not just to be like lavish and expensive. It's because they don't want the downtime in between. Like they want to be like mm-hmm. you're going to sleep on the plane and then you're going to ho- you're going to hop off and you're going to do yeah. another show. Like it's it's not for the <laughs> best interest of the artist. I think that like environment-wise fucking sucks. I understand if like uh Floyd Maywe- Mayweather was taking a private flight from LA to Vegas for a fight that everyone knew he was going to be at and they're like for security reasons we want to mm-hmm. make sure that he is not in po- do you mean like that there's not swarms of people that is a little bit more secure but like when it becomes like you're using it like a car and it's not like how politician i mean not all politicians but like when some it's used in like the line of security things like if you're I'm sorry, who's...
2: It's from Camarillo to Van Nuys. Is she going
1: to the Camarillo outlets? Like, what is she doing there that, like, you need the security and
2: privacy of a private
1: jet? Like, what?
2: And like I said already, multiple times a week. Maybe that's where her office is. But also, like, she lives in Calabasas, right? Yeah. But, like, this doesn't make sense because, like, Calabasas is between... Camarillo and Van Nuys. So like she's driving in the opposite direction and then flying over Calabasas to get to the other place. Like that doesn't make any sense. I have so
1: many questions about this being Camarillo. If she was like an old dude, I would be like, you have a second family that you are mm-hmm. like going, Like it just has no, there's zero logic if to it. If she was
2: Tristan. If this was Tristan Thompson,
1: is. I would be like, Chloe, <laughs> follow that jet. Like, literally. Okay, yeah. It's between the two of them. So you have to drive the exact opposite direction for like 40 minutes Mm -hmm. to get onto a private jet to then drive, to to then fly to a a place that would, let's see how long it would take you to get from anything else. It's 31 minutes from Calabas. She's spending as much time driving to go to Van Nuys to get on the private jet as she would to get to Camarillo. What? There's something we need to, on. Un- like, this is bad for the environment, CO2 emissions, but, like, there's something else happening here. Something's fishy. Yeah. It is, like, literally the exact same amount of time that she is spending to get to the airport to fly. Like, fly- it makes no sense. And again, the biggest question of all, I cannot stress this enough. If you are not in Los Angeles or Southern California or even like NorCal, Central California, you know, what is Kylie Jenner doing in Camarillo? <laughs> that is.
2: I've never heard of it until now. So there's that.
1: Now, that segue aside, I'm so sorry. You can continue with the rest of what you reads.
2: <laughs> a lot of people are calling her a climate criminal, which I just learned this term, but it's been a- around for a while. There's a book about it.
1: Yeah. Did you see that she posted then a TikTok of her taking her kid to Target to try and be, like, l- relatable and, like, like everyone else?
2: All celebrities do that. Like, I don't understand yeah, yeah. what the stronghold is that Target has on celebrities trying to look just on, like us. On Wim- <laughs> and I'm not talking about Michelle Obama. I just want to make that clear.
1: No, no, no. I think Target specifically has a hold on white women everywhere, but I think Target has a hold on America. I think it's
2: women as a whole.
1: Oh, yeah. It's just a reminder to everybody that Kylie Jenner, despite what <laughs> she is, <fine. laughs>
2: she is a white woman in case. I mean, she forgets all the time.
1: She does. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I need, there needs to be like a massive tax on on this stuff.
2: Not just tax it. It needs to be a crime. Yeah.
1: I think there needs to be a massive tax on private jet fuel for ne- necessity-based, like, things. But I don't think that this is a necessity, and I think that, like, it should be vetted who can have that. Like, I think the issue is, is like, celebrities shouldn't be allowed to buy private jets. Like, it should be, like, government—there should be, like, it's you apply to get one. It's not about, like, who has the money for that. And so, like, I think, like, yeah— children's hospitals and hospitals should have that that totally makes sense and i think touring companies owning them who then they have them out to the people who are currently on tour and and that stuff but just the fact that it can be used as a mode of transportation for the ultra wealthy and then negatively impact literally all of our lives and like the actual climate that is a huge like it shouldn't it shouldn't be able to happen
2: they do exist because i get like advertisements on instagram for them some of them aren't you know like private for like 10 people but they'll be like 20 people and you know if, if you need to go someplace that's remote then these are a way to you can use these to get there but i think the main thing is that people are bragging about it i not want the pictures the that come with it it's the clout why do you care You could drive up to it. You can have your picture standing outside of it. You can have your picture standing in front of it. You can have your picture standing, sitting inside with your champagne and charcuterie plate. We'll rotate. Like, we'll treat this like a step and repeat. Like, you go
1: first, you'll get your picture next up, you'll do that. Like, we'll work together as the collective. (laughs) Like,
2: I think it sounds even more cool and more fun, you know, like me and the squad got together to get on the PJ.
1: Yeah, it's like the bus to summer camp. It's like, look at me making friends. It's so expensive, too. We looked at it. But it's, like, not... I mean, it's expensive, but it's not... I think it was, like, $400 or $500 each way, which it's not that bad for, like, a private jet. But for such a quick flight, some, Chris Clemens, like, was posting about, like, how there needs to be, like, a tax for people doing this, and this is so fucked up, and someone did a reply being like, have you talked to Claudia and Phineas about it? And they included a photo of them getting on like a jet for tour, like Coachella or tour stuff. And I was like, yikes.
2: Love to see it though.
1: Okay. Did I? So, my Rachel of the week, my Wrong of the Week, who I would like to nominate is the Pink Sauce Queen. <laughs> I don't know if anybody has seen this on TikTok. This is the most repulsive thing I truly think I've ever seen. Like I'm honestly giving if you have a weak stomach, I the way I feel about these videos is the same way I feel about like seeing a fucking BBL like surgery video on my timeline. Like it is gross. This is a woman who um is very into you know, sauce. She's been trying to make it as an influencer from everything that I've read that she was doing like weight loss videos, vegan recipes, all that and she hit it big. When she started posting her pink sauce on this sounds like sexual, like as I keep saying that <laughs> th- that she. I know when
2: you first said I it, I was know. just thinking of jizz.
1: Me too. I'm thinking who? Oh God, Melvin used to call it strawberry milkshake when you have when you have sex with a girl and they on are their period, yeah, and bleeding. And then a it, bit. he used to call that strawberry milkshake. <laughs> An influencer, truly. So she hit it big because she started going viral for posting her pink sauce. And that is explicitly like literally a sauce that is pink for dipping food in. And it looks like Pepto Bismol. It is like bright bubblegum pink. It has the consistency of like a ketchup meets ranch. And it looks disgusting. She's putting on everything. She's like dousing it, everything. And so she started selling it. She started making these videos of her making it. um, And then she started selling it and shipping it out. And quickly, people were like, ooh, this is food. This is, there's, it's not being delivered with dry ice, even though she says that there's like milk in it. The original bottles didn't have the ingredients. They didn't have calorie counts. They didn't have best by dates or sell by dates. They didn't have, like, refrigeration instructions. And so people started buying them for $20 a bottle just so they could um, get on early in the potential and inevitable lawsuit that will come up. And she issued an apology where she says that she, like, mixed up the grams versus serving size because originally the serving size was, like, 432 servings. And she's like, no, that was actually the grams. And her apology... Melissa is saying this offline but her apology does make it worse because she uses the I'm a small business as like a we're learning I'm learning there's going to be mistakes and this is food there cannot mm-hmm. be mistakes like people will get incredibly sick and you will get sued for like literally everything that you're worth now and in perpetuity <laughs> like you will you will be bled dry and still there is no storing or perishable anything and they're still being shipped without anything in them and the ingredients are water sunflower seed oil raw honey distilled vi- vinegar garlic pataya that's what makes it pink i thought it was dragon fruit it's the same thing oh is that oh whoa, whoa, okay pink himalayan sea salt less than two percent of dried spices lemon juice milk and citric acid may contain soy and eggs
2: And this is not being refrigerated. Also, if she's making it at home, why might there be eggs in it? I guess maybe from the other products that she's buying to put in it. And there are no preservatives. So you
1: can't have raw eggs. Like, are you emulsifying? The only way that you can do this is if you're emulsifying, it's like how you make mayonnaise. You emulsify eggs with oil to create that. And in doing so for that, uh, the eggs are pasteurized, obviously, but then it needs to be refrigerated. And that's like if you make homemade mayonnaise or any of that stuff, that will not last the same way that it is like on the shelf. There's a reason why there are those like big conglomerates that have like like Hellman's has their own mayonnaise. And you don't see that much difference in that. It's because people have to perfect those recipes with, again, preservatives. Like there's a reason preservatives exist. It's to protect you from getting sick. And this doesn't have any of that. And again, is not shipped with dry ice. And everyone, as they're getting them, they're all different colors. There's like no real regulation with them. And she says that (laughs) in her apology, she goes, yeah, like we're currently in lab testing still. Like we're talking to the FDA and we're doing lab testing. And I repeat, she's still selling this
2: currently. Also, the labels appear to be glued on with glitter (laughs) glue.
1: It's literally DIY. And the amount of comments that people were like, girls, just sell lashes and lip gloss like everyone else. Like, don't fuck with food. Like, do not fuck with food. Especially and like if you're gonna fuck with food, sell cookies. Sell baked goods. Sell something that's been Because
2: that's okay. Like you can legally sell like cakes and cookies and baked goods
1: you have raw ingredients like it is not shelf stable and I think some people like to defend her So, like I don't know if she's mentioned it or if people are just using this on the defense they're like well ranch you buy ranch and like you can you don't have to ref- it's not refrigerated in the stores and everyone's like yeah because preservatives and then as soon as you open it, it has to be refrigerated But hers is not, there's no preservatives in it. It's the same thing I feel about DIY skincare, but this is, this is worse because you're ingesting it. And, like, you can get, Mm -hmm. like, uh, is it boilism? Bullism? It's when, like, improperly canned foods and stuff. Like, that's, like, home canning. And, I mean, even people like Brad Leone from Bon Appetit got under, like, a lot of shit for, like, kind of skirting around uh, the seriousness of it when giving like tutorials on how to do these things like that's like actually a really very real and serious botulism. thing. botulism that people die from like every year. Like it's not it, it, it's it's like a very serious thing that like is, you know, in, in the homesteading crowd, uh, it's the raw milk and the botulism that cause a lot of permanent issues and or death. With people, and I just don't know how people don't know
2: how that they're not supposed to fuck with food like this. Everybody's got to hustle, I guess.
1: This makes me miss the woman who did the cum sticks, where like it literally looks like a lollipop of like cotton that you swab a giant Q tip essentially in your vagina to like soak up the semen after someone comes inside of you. And they're I like, I have
2: never heard of this. <laughs>
1: it was wild and everybody someone commented me like are these single use and it was like of course they are like you can't reuse what the fuck
2: but also like why
1: sit on a toilet or stand up or just like like any other person
2: you have to pee after you have sex anyway so just but
1: it's like so it's a, so abrasive like your body is going to dispel it like naturally But, like, it's just so wasteful. And, like, there's no... it's There was not a hole in the market for this. Like, nobody needed this. Like, I don't need to become a kebab.
2: I mean, there is a hole.
1: Yeah, but you don't need to fill every hole. My hole has been filled. (laughs) Let the cream donut get expel itself. Like, my body's doing its work. I don't need your giant Q-tip shoving up to soak it up.
2: This also reminds me of... This is, like, on topic, but not, like, the topic. That the reason why the penis... Is shaped the way that it is. Like, it's got the little, the little head, the little shovel on it. It's so that, so that, like, the penis pulls out old cum. It, like, drags it out I don't from like inside that. of you. It's like a little scoop. I
1: don't like that at all. That's like barfing and eating your own barf.
2: At least you don't have a taste bud there.
1: No, you do. Your balls do. Do you know there's that whole trend going on? I'm talking about the dick. Oh, yeah. I know. But I'm saying, but there t- your balls can taste things. Did you know that?
2: Yes, I saw that.
1: I made Mott's do it. There's like the Coke and the soy
2: sauce. And I go, oh, yeah, I, he I remember. He came home, I was like,
1: dip them <laughs> He was like, okay.
2: I had forced it out of my head, and now you put it back there.
1: You're welcome. Um, but I would just like to say, the pink sauce queen has officially taken the cake for the most ludicrous and dangerous, stupid business idea from the woman who was making the cum popsicles. <laughs>
2: Were they cold? No. I might call them
1: a popsicle. Because you you become the popsicle with the stick out of you.
2: I see. Why did not you call it a lollipop then?
1: I did earlier. I was just trying to branch out in my jokes. Oh, no. Oh, I thought you were saying that was the actual <laughs> name. I would have had a bit more respect for her if she named it like a cum popsicle. Like, I really would have. No, that was Okay, okay,
2: okay. I'm sorry I stepped on your joke.
1: That's okay. There's a girl at my high school who I don't even like know if this actually happened or if she just said it, but she was like cooler than us and she had like boobs and was like hot and sexy. And she was like, Yeah, my boyfriend, like he stuck a popsicle at my vagina and then ate me out the other day. And all I could think of in my head, I was like, Did you get a yeast infection?
2: But that was in like a lot of teen magazines. I remember that being in there. What the fuck? unhinged but like pregnant women or like after they've had the baby and they like pushed it oh, yeah, through, an and they're cube. all sore down there it's recommended that they put like a condom on a popsicle oh yeah, stick yeah, it yeah, up yeah. There to make it feel better but not just raw don't raw dog a popsicle
1: no no because here's the thing i don't want to waste a popsicle on my vagina like then i would eat it afterwards
2: well this conversation is taking many twists and turns
1: Maybe we're no better than call her daddy.
2: <laughs> Don't put that on us.
1: Never. Anyways, um, that's it for the episode. We hope you all enjoyed. Again, head on over to our Instagram to vote on who you think was wrong in every situation. Submit your emails to be featured on an upcoming episode. And as always, you can tag us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok if you see something that you want us to talk about. Or send us a DM if you want us to talk about something. And um, we will do our best. We have a very exciting announcement, everyone. We have an official date. And so sadly that this video is actually not going to be up because you can see Melissa rolling her eyes intently at me. Melissa, would
2: you take t- t- uh, the honors, please share what is happening? I already shared, but I didn't sound excited enough for Megan. So sorry. So we're going to have full videos up on Patreon starting next week. So you can go and subscribe. We already have um, our current tiers changed, and now we're going to be adding the new tiers up. Also, bonus for that, if you watch on video, it's ad-free. Plus, you get to see how beautiful we are. You can watch this video. You can watch the Don't Blame Me video. You can package it together where you can get both, or you can do it where... You, uh, or you can, and you can also put on. You know, if you want to live stream, and we that. have
1: so many different iterations of like all of us. We have all of our tiers. So if you are already a Patreon member of, don't blame me. Those tiers aren't going anywhere. We've just essentially added more on. So if you're already a Patreon member for the other podcast, you can also switch tiers and add on to one of these, and you can package them up. So. That is very exciting. We are launching the Patreon for, but am I wrong? In August, so literally next week. We cannot wait. Beginning of the month, you can sign up at any time, but if it's not- literally on
2: your birthday.
1: Oh, oh yeah, it is on a Thursday. So as a birthday present to me, everyone sign up for the Patreon. As always, we the prices we think are very fair. Our cheapest price starts at a dollar, and I think we get up to. Six, six,
2: because it's five now and it's just adding on one.
1: Yes. So literally from a dollar to six dollars, six is our literally our most expensive tier. Um. So hopefully can work for a multitude of people's budgets. And it's a really great time. So looking forward to it and make sure you all wish me a happy birthday.
2: You've got a week to prepare.
1: Yeah. <laughs> If you have a whole week to prepare to wish me a happy birthday, it better be the best happy birthday ever. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. We will circle back. Circle back. Next week. Bye. Bye.
2: But Am I Wrong is a production by me, Megan Rinks. And me, Melissa Demonts, plus Diamond Imprint Productions. Post-production by Coco Lorenz. And production assistance by Melanie D. Watson.